Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. So when you create something and you're not sure if it's coming from passion or love, you're creating it within a narrative that might not be yours. So what I mean by that is your belief system sees the world and business in a certain way. And if you're not second guessing that or challenging that or trying to find ways to improve that, you're always building something within potentially a false belief or, or this state of hypnosis where you might think you're giving yourself and other people what they want or what you want, but you might not. Whereas when something's rooted in passion and love, it transcends any other feeling. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Roland Cochran. Roland has built a bunch of six-figure successful businesses with super successful exits, but that is not why I wanted him on the show. I wanted him on the show because he lives a life of true freedom, real freedom. He's worked hard, that's the work hard part, but he plays even bigger. In this episode, you're gonna learn how he is living completely remotely, traveling the world as he pleases. Today might be Paris. Tomorrow could be Zimbabwe. Roland is also in my Work Hard, Play Hard experience. He's one of my members, and I could not be any more proud to have him as part of this Work Hard, Play Hard family. Okay, please enjoy this Play Hard conversation with Roland Cochran. Roland, welcome to the show. Rob, thanks for having me, my man. I'm excited. You know what? I am super excited to talk to you today because you're doing something that everybody talks about doing and few actually have the nerve to do it. And that is creating a lifestyle that's exactly the way that you want to live it. You're living all over the world. You're simultaneously creating super successful exits. And I want to dig into all of that. So first, thank you for taking the time to do this. I know that COVID has not been fun for a guy like you. No, not with the travel, man. I'll tell you what, I'm going to going to places I never thought I'd go to, staying at places I never thought I'd go to, planning it all, you know, week by week, month by month. It's, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, uh, I never, never have seen anything like it, especially as a world traveler. Yeah. And we're going to get into all of that, but first I want to rewind the clock a little bit and I want to take you back to the nineties in Wilsonville, Oregon. Remember that place? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I remember those days. So at 15 years old, you had a summer job to earn some cash and you were doing some painting uh, of a wall at a place where you saw some athletes that were doing drills. What was it about that moment that shifted the trajectory of your entire life when you saw that? Yes, great question. This particular place was, these, these were brothers, older brothers of a friend of mine, and stepping foot into this business it changed me forever, really, because I saw 
two people in their early 30s living uh, you know, some a dream life that I'd never seen someone live before. So these two guys were founded a business together that they dreamed about, and they went and did it. I mean, they rented the space and they just put themselves out there. And you know, when you do something passionate like that, and you find it in love, it works. It it almost always works. And if you're willing to not give up, it it will, it will come full circle and, and pay you for it, um, for then on in, in so many different ways, Rob. So seeing that happen for me, uh, transformed me at age 15 as a business owner in terms of what was possible for not just me, but, um, really everyone. Why is passion and love so important when you're tackling a goal or a project versus just saying, well, you know, it makes logical sense. You know, I want to, uh, I want to invest in real estate and I want to buy multiple income properties. I'm not super passionate about it, but it just, you know, seems like a good thing to do and everybody else is doing it. Why are those key words, passion and love important? Love that. Good question. You know, everything in life traces back to some core beliefs, as people call them, the way that you see the, the world and the, the way you see yourself interacting with this world. So when you create something and you're not sure if it's coming from passion or love, you're creating it within a narrative that might not be yours. So what I mean by that is your belief system sees the world and business in a certain way. And if you're not second guessing that or challenging that or trying to find ways to improve that, you're always building something within potentially a false belief or, or this state of hypnosis where you might think you're giving yourself and other people what they want or what you want, but you might not. Whereas when something's rooted in passion and love, it, it transcends any other feeling. Mm. And, that, and that means, you know, it's, it's, it can either be, you know, the biggest, the biggest, I guess, way of recognizing that is when you walk away from something and it's, you can't explain it, right? You can't measure it with your old worldview or your um, traditional ways of keeping score. It's, it's something different, right? It's a feeling. Got it. So, so what you're searching for is the high vibration. That high vibration is, is transcending any logical intellect that you may have in creating something. So it sounds like your recommendation is to look for the thing that is exciting you, that's making you feel good, that's that's causing you to vibe high and double down on that, even if it may not be, you know, the most intellectually sound thing. If you're if there's a calling, go after it. Is that right? Absolutely. And even a step before that, Rob, would be making sure that you're seeing things correctly. So are you how hypnotized are you? You know, are you, are you even able to recognize if you were to step into that vibration, that, that, that place of joy and love, would you even recognize it? Or are you in just a different level of hypnosis where, you know, oh, this is impressing other people, or this is making a lot of money, or this is getting me a lot of attention. That doesn't necessarily it's mean it's rooted in passion and love, right? So even a step before that for the, for the, the listeners out there that are like, well, you know, it's, it's been tough for me to find that thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a layer deeper than, than where you live now. Okay. So you mentioned a couple of times hypnosis. You, I think what you're saying, tell me if I got this right. Are you saying that we all sort of live in a trends in hypnosis? We're running habitual patterns. We're running our belief system uh, our rules, what our parents said, all of those things are locking us into this hypnotic trans sort of state. And if we're smart, we'll get out of that state and we'll search for what our, our true calling is, what we really want versus being in that hypnotic trans-like robotic automatron sort of like Groundhog Day 
thing. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So there was, I can't, and I can't remember the article or book I read at the time, but it said that we spend 60% of our day in hypnosis. And the way I've heard it described best is those core beliefs, some people call them core beliefs. If you reword that and simply look at it as agreements, so something you're agreeing to, that's no different than a state of hypnosis. So yes, exactly what you said, Rob, if you're living in a belief system that was formed when you were three, four, five years old due to something traumatic or, or um, just a, something that you learned and you hadn't, you didn't know any better at the time, you might carry that agreement with you throughout life and, and reinforce it. And so what happens is instead of looking inward at something that is rooted in, you know, love, passion, and joy, you might be comparing that to, you know, the inner scorekeeper and you might be comparing that to, you know, did this make me money? Did this result in me getting attention? Um, you know, your, your, your measurement tools are, are not serving you. They're serving those characters inside you and this state of hypnosis. That's interesting. So how you evaluate the win, what the measurement is, is everything, which I, I suppose is why entrepreneurs are always, you know, once they get the million dollars, they're looking for two and then they're looking for three and they're looking for four. And there's, there's no real end in sight for them. Is that what you mean? Yes, absolutely. That's that's precisely what I'm saying. That your default is always more. Interesting. Okay, so you went all in on becoming a physical therapist. You got to know the big boys who owns thirty clinics. What was it about the business of physical therapy that excited you? You know, originally, here's a prime example of a state of hypnosis. So. I had bought into what everyone had told me of, you know, healthcare being a, a safe industry, being an industry that's going to pay you well, um, right? You hear all these things from everybody and it's, it's not necessarily what I wanted, right? It was, it was what everyone else wanted. And so I took that agreement, ran with it, found physical therapy, and the one thing that did resonate deep within me, Rob, was the ability to create a transformation for someone else and a relationship with someone else. So these um, patients, in that case, would come in and I would have a decent amount of time with them, you know, um, anywhere between eight to maybe 20 plus hours. So I could formulate this friendship with them and then take them on a journey of which they needed my expertise to guide them to the desired result. And so that was extremely attractive to me. And then also it agree it it was in line with all the other agreements of become a professional, make good money, be in healthcare. And then there came a time where you knocked yourself out of that hypnosis that you were in. And you made a shift. And the shift was to create a company called uh, Cochrane Medical Management. What is it and why did you create it? So the pivot to this management company was I couldn't scale. I was young, so I couldn't scale my business um, as fast as I could if I was, you know, borrowing the money and building the brick and mortar facilities. So I had this idea to partner with other people who were in healthcare, had been through the grind, had built a brand for themselves and an audience, and then provide services for them that maybe they didn't know about or they didn't have the energy for. Because there's one thing that I had, I loved business and I had a ton of energy. So as a word of advice to everyone out there, if you've got energy, passion, and a skill set, um, rather than trying to create, you know, a big barrier for people a lot of the time is creating the business. It's a huge, huge barrier and it can prevent them from even taking the first step. A great place to start, lend your skill set and lend your passion to somebody else who has built the business already and um, start there. And and in, in what you're talking about as my management company, it wasn't just a start. It ended up turning into a multi-million dollar business um, that I uh, that I still own um, 
back in the US. I still own that company to this day. And so it's just simply lending my skill set to other people um, and, and then charging them for it. <laughs> Where in the world are you now? So I actually, as of today, this is my first morning waking up. I am in San Diego, California. That was All unexpected, right. but uh, I love it here. And um, uh, like I said, uh, it's a good place to hang out while things calm down. San Diego's awesome. We are we are in the same state. We're getting closer. I know. <laughs> Do you remember the moments that the burnout of the monotony of running a PT practice kicked in and you doubled down on your coaching? <laughs> yeah, the truth, Rob, before I even yeah. started, before I even started, um, I started to sense something was off. I think a lot of people can relate to this. You you find yourself so deep that, and it's become your identity. And so you are almost fearful of talking about it with other people because you're scared of what they might think of you. So the, the truth, Rob, is before I even opened the clinic, my first location, I already sensed that something might not be right. But the fear of, of saying that to someone else or even saying it to myself was too strong. So I put my head down and went into it. And like most entrepreneurs, if you're smart, crafty, and likable, you're going to find a way to make it work. And failure just wasn't an option. So obviously, it turned out to be something extremely profitable. And I don't regret it. Taught me a ton of lessons and introduced me to a ton of great people that would help me in my future businesses. But you know, I knew before going into it, and I just was too scared to acknowledge it. I think this is such an important point for a show like this because there are, there are a lot of people that listen on two ends of the spectrum. Some people are, you know, in their 20s and they're getting ready to start their careers and you know, they're looking towards professions like becoming a doctor, lawyer, physical therapist, chiropractor, dentist, things like that. And you know, then there's the people who did it and are in it and they're looking to, you know, it, it, there's sort of this is this all there is sort of thing. And I really want to, I really want to highlight for people, you know, you're, you're having, you're listening to a, a chiropractor interview, a physical therapist who are <laughs> neither one of them are practicing chiropractic or physical therapy anymore. And there's a reason for it. And the reason is that we weren't listening to that voice inside of our head that was saying, this may not be for you and there may be a different path. So I, I, I cannot highlight what you're saying any higher than to really listen to that voice. You agree? Oh yes, absolutely. And it you know goes back to what we were talking about just earlier. Is you know what state of hypnosis are you in? Um, you know, are you are you acting true to yourself and listening to yourself, or have you gotten so disconnected from what it means to listen to you that you're just in the default of agreeing to all the suggestions that you know you've been living in the whole way? And to your point, yeah, we we started to listen to, instead of listening, we started to second guess those agreements, Rob, right? They're, they're, we're hearing these suggestions and we started wondering, you know, what is that? Where's that coming from? Because it doesn't appear to be serving me as well as maybe something else could. Okay. So let's, let's pick it up here from the point where you sort of decided to extra, extricate yourself entirely from uh, the practice um, and move into sort of remote coaching from anywhere in the world. How long ago did you, how long ago was it where you, you, you packed it all up and you got into, you know, either, either your, your, your RV or your airplane or something and said, I'm on my way. So Let's see, that happened officially because there's, there's iterations of this. And I think it's difficult to, the first time you decide to leave your business, unfortunately, I think a lot of business owners, I think, I think you leave the place out of, oh, I don't know, desperation or hope of something different. Um, and so the problem is that iteration usually fails, you know, when you, when you leave it out of, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. Um, that wasn't where I was at, but it wasn't that far away from that. Um, that iteration didn't work. So that was about two years ago. I had to come back, re redo it, build a plat, build a platform that provided not only the freedom and gratitude to me, but build a platform that provided that freedom 
and fulfillment and gratitude to the clients and my employees. So that second iteration, that was about a year and a half ago, coming from a place of understanding and gratitude and building a business for them so that I could not be there um, and still maintain 100% ownership. That was, yeah, that was about a year and a half ago. And the moment that everyone's on board and believes that mission, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be true. Otherwise, there's no hope in them believing it. But the second they knew, you know, I wanted this for them and they knew why it was so that I could travel the world and um, be free from money and time and location. And, and they were okay with it because they felt that honesty and gratitude coming back from me of, hey, what do you guys want to? And ever it's worked out beautifully ever since. And um, it's a culture that runs from the top to the bottom. Okay. I want to talk to you a little bit about travel. So let's just say that COVID wasn't here. Please, God, let's say it wasn't here. <laughs> and you were, <laughs> you were able to do what it was that you wanted this year. What would this year broad sketch look like for you? Oh man, you know, I had a lot of plans this year. This was going to be a year. My, my, the year prior was a year where I had very little uh, sunshine. And um, for whatever reason, even the places that I went, I didn't get sunshine for whatever reason. And so this was going to be a year where I did a bunch of research and I was trying to go to the most climate stable countries, islands, wherever it was. And so, yeah, I had, I had things pretty much set up through all year. So it was going to go Malta and then pop over to the uh, Canary Islands. I've never been over there and then finish the, uh, finish the winter off over in New Zealand and Australia. What is the best part for you about always being on the road and what's the worst? Best part is you're n- I'm never bored. There's a plethora of you know, I can, I, can, I can go on a walk and just stare into the sky. I can look at the sidewalk. I mean, there's just so much beauty and differences all around me at all times. That's the best part. Um, new people, new food, new scenery. Even the bad stuff is, is, feels good um, because it's new and it's, it's fun and I'm just absorbing it and, and, and learning from it. The unfortunate part, I, I've lost... I, lo- I lose a sense of community and belonging. You know, I'm, I'm a social guy and I meet people everywhere I go. And then that's it, right? I, I, you know, we might be in contact via the internet, but I don't belong to a community, a group of people. Mm-hmm. And so that, that impact is so important to me. And I had that before I um, started living this nomadic life. And especially right now, Rob, with all the chaos going on, not belonging to a community it feels different. And so, so I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. So everything in life is a trade-off, right? So I, I get that. I get both of those things. You know, when I've traveled extensively, you know, you meet these great people and you connect and it's like high school, right? We're going to talk to each other forever. <laughs> you know, and then like, you know, a couple of emails later and, you know, you just go on to the next one. Right. So they're yeah, new, they're, yeah. They're new friends. Whereas like normally I'd see them. Yeah. I'd see them at the, um, you know, one of my favorite little cities was Cortona. I don't know if you've been there and, you know, you'll mm-hmm, see yeah, them at the same weekly event. Yeah. Yeah. So did I, you see them at the same weekly event up on that rooftop or the winery or yeah. whatever. And so, yeah, I didn't need to, text them the whole time to, to stay in contact. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just different. It's a different life. And that's one of the trade-offs. Did you go by Brahma Sole to see uh, the Tuscan sun house? Yes, of course. You can't, you know, over there. I, you know, it's funny, Rob. I, I, I went over there on a small recommendation and man, it, it exceeded all expectations. And what a, what a great, the whole area, you know, rent a car for sure, just because it's, tough getting around without one over there, but what a, what a hidden gem, just so much better than, than it gets credit for. She is, um, she is a prolific writer and she gets better as she gets older. Uh, she just wrote a new book, Francis Mays is who we're speaking of, uh, called see you in the piazza. Um, and it is a beautiful book. If you're a, if you're an Italy guy or girl and you love that, I would strongly, strongly recommend that. I just did uh, two months in Florence and, um, that have you spent any time in Florence? Yes. Yes. Florence, Magical, Venice. Right? I, oh, that whole, that's that sanction through there. It's just a, it's a different world, Rob. 
If you had to give people three secrets to living a life of freedom, what would those three things be? Oh, easy. I think about these a lot, right? Because everyone wants the quick tips. And um, so I've I've edited them a million times over to try and make them clear and easy to understand. And I've nailed down three that I see run in all of almost all of my clients. And then you you'll probably resonate with these. Biggest one is is clarity around what you're building. I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs they want to build something, but it stops there. And then they build something that ends up being a pain in their ass, really, right? You need to go deeper and look at the cause and effect. You and I were talking about that, right? With every cause, there's some effect on the other side. And so make sure you're signing up for the right the right thing because you could find yourself building something that you might not be able to get out of or into an industry that's just a constant uphill battle. So just getting clear around what you're getting yourself into. Because typically, Rob, when I see people go through that exercise, a lot of the times they'll end up building something different from the data Mm -hmm. they got from getting more and more clear around it before they built it. Um, Because getting out of it once you've built it, oh man, it's a lot more challenging. Um, The second one, like I said, was healing your relationship with fear and weakness. So making that relationship something where you're looking at fear and weakness as something to grow and be better from rather than not wanting to look because like I, like I was telling you that fear will hold you back more than anything else will. It'll keep you from doing the steps and some of those steps are really not that time consuming. But if you're not taking them in the first place, one year could turn into 20. And then last one, invest in yourself. That's my third tip I give everybody. You are always the best investment. People ask, um, people like you and I become financially free all the time. Hey, what stocks are you buying? What, what's your feeling on real estate? You know, I, I always pivot to, you know, invest in you, right? Here's the coolest thing about investing yourself. It'll pay you forever and you can take it with you anywhere and any industry you go. It's just, it's the best investment and, it doesn't get capped at 7%, 10%. Um, investing in yeah. you can can pay out at 100, 2,000, 3,000%. It is the best investment. And come on, you and I know this. It's also the most fulfilling. Of course it is. What places have you liked the most and which ones have you liked the least? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to ruffle some feathers with these answers. Um, my favorite, I love Greece. I love Greece. I I cannot help but stop over there almost every time I'm even in the general area. It is it is a country full of phenomenal food, amazing people. The hospitality there is is probably tied with number one. Um, and then the scenery. I mean, what more do you want? Least favorite? <laughs> oh man, probably London. I mean, I've given it two tries, and everyone's always raving about this place. And um, you know, it's a city, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong; I've had some phenomenal food and some excellent nights there. But uh, I'm happy to leave after two or three days. So um, hopefully, I don't offend anyone you know, with that because I know there's some huge London lovers out there. It's it's funny. I interviewed um, and now have become friends with a guy named Phil Rosenthal. He created Everybody Loves Raymond's television show, and he's got uh, a new Netflix series now called uh, Somebody Feed Phil. And uh, we were talking about a very similar question. He said, I do have a favorite. It's Italy. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just, there's, there's something incredible. So for me, you know, it's, uh, it's Italy, uh, all year long. And number two is, uh, is Greece. So that's, there's no, there's no doubt that you and I are, uh, are friends for a reason. So, oh, and they're so comparable, uh, those two places, right? I mean, food, hospitality, and just, uh, a relaxed, a relaxed culture, relaxed environment. Oh, dude, Rob, what more do you want? Just great place yeah, to be. I mean, the only thing I would say is Greece in the summer. I have not been able to find anything as beautiful as Greece in the summer in Italy. Agree. Totally agree. Capri is beautiful. You know, Sardinia is beautiful, but but Greece, I don't know. It just, it has that summer thing down more than anybody I've ever seen. 
you know, well, the culture changes a bit too in Greece, right? During the summer, you, uh, the influx of, of travel definitely changes that slow, relaxed culture. You know, you just got more people running around everywhere doing the thing. And Italy, it's funny, like you said, it doesn't matter. It can be high season and you still, it still maintains that. That's interesting. You bring that up. It's absolutely incredible. What do people often get wrong about you? I think that, and this could be a narrative that I'm still caught up in and some insecurities um, that I'm hanging on to. And it's my own fault. I, I got caught up in trying to prove myself to everyone. And what I would realize years later was the only person I was trying to prove myself to was me. Um, and so here I am running around, you know, trying to do everything for everybody so that they think that I'm awesome. And, um, you know, looking back on that in hindsight, um, I think people would assume that it's all about money because I talk about it a lot. And I do that for two reasons. One, money's the tool that exists right now to unlock a lot of amazing opportunities and freedoms. It's just a currency that we've decided to trade. And the other reason I talk about it is because it's the language that a lot of other people speak. And so when I'm trying to make a point, if I bring up money, everyone stops and listens. So I think that's that's the thing. A lot of people think that you know coaching and business coaching is about money, 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 either me trying to get their money or me trying to make them filthy rich or whatever the narrative is. It's not about money. That's the tool that will allow you to become free from the world's nonsense. Um, and it's the fastest way to do it. There's other ways. Money is a very fast way to free yourself from uh, narratives that are running your life um, and, and have these characters basically dictating your moves without you knowing. Yeah, for sure. What is the one rule that you have for yourself that you'll never break? Great question. I refuse to accept anything less than perfect's not, not the right word. I, I've refused to accept anything less than abundance. I've just always refused that, even from a young age, even from nine years old. I just knew there's no reason you can't have something. There just isn't. It's everything is possible and limitless, and it's all around putting in the work. And I think that's something I'm not willing to stop living by because uh, life's been pretty abundant for me. Hasn't been easy, but it's always been abundant and limitless, and I'm not going to stop doing that. That's a great affirmation. That's really, really good. What is an unusual or absurd thing that you love? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I would say ballet. I know mm. it's, uh, I think, I think, I think that it's- is, That falls um, into the unusual <laughs> and absurd category. You nailed it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's one that um, ballet and musicals, um, for somebody who doesn't know or know much or care for dancing or singing, I just admire, I admire that, that art form. It's just incredible to watch. It's captivating and um, usually activates uh, even uh, emotional response within me. So <laughs> is that a good answer? Well, it actually makes sense if you think about it, because you're a guy that is trained, you know, had a passion for physical therapy from an early age, trained in anatomy, past, uh, past bodybuilding competitions. So, you know, you're into pushing the edges of, of physicality, let's say. And then just watching what they do with those, those tools is really incredible. I mean, like, you know, watch Barishnikov. Like, you'll be like, what? Is that guy flying? Like, it's crazy. And also, if you haven't already, I'm sure you have, but have you seen Hamilton? Yes. Oh, man. I mean, just a, what an art form in itself. Almost its own I mean, genre. Incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. With every new level comes a new devil. What are you currently struggling with? Oh man, do we want to go there? So fun saying and totally true. I've been doing a lot of work on 
creating art that comes from a deeper place within me. It's, it's the art that you should be creating. It's the art that everyone wants. Here's the problem. It looked like maybe some shrubs or, or sagebrush on the ground. And so as I start hacking away through it with the machete, I start to realize there's something underneath. And as I unbury it, I see more and more and more. And before you know it, I'm standing looking at you know two massive trees with intertwined root, root systems. And while the exercise and practice hasn't changed, you still need to trim away slowly. It's your only option. It's just a lot more daunting and I guess less motivating seeing these things that have been created within your brain and and knowing that they exist, but then also knowing that the practices to to manage them are the same as the ones you were doing. So you can't tackle them any faster, but you're seeing the whole picture. Does that make sense? And it's 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 gotten I've it's challenged my creative brain quite a bit because I second guess the content I'm creating because I'm wondering where it's coming from and I'm I'm basically overthinking everything um for the first time and, and it's and it's a challenge, especially as a as a coach and a content creator. Um it's testing me. Give me a real life example of it. So I filmed a video three days ago for my audience, and it was speaking to the sales conversion rates, essentially, and um, tying it back to authenticity, which is a thing I speak a lot about because it's a currency that's that's dying, and it's the currency that people want. And I f- must have filmed the video four or five different times, Rob, and I would replay it, and I just didn't recognize the person in the video. And I just couldn't post it. And it's been happening more and more often. I keep thinking, mm. why are you saying that? Who are you speaking to? And do they want this? And um, it's a challenge when you ask yourself those questions because it's it's an insight into, is this work coming from your heart? And is it hitting your ideal client's heart? Because in the end, that's all that matters. This world's full of billions of people. I'm not trying to help them. I'm trying to help that 0.001% of mission-driven business owner who, who's tired of the grind and tired of living someone else living their life and constantly needing more, that's all I'm speaking to. And so I just had to ask myself, who's showing up? Why are you saying this? And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough seeing You know what I love about this? <laughs> I, love, I love how receptive you are to interrupting the pattern when you identify that there's a lack of authenticity or there's a lack of, of congruency or whatever, whatever you determine it is, you're starting to have such self-awareness that you can actually identify that and make the shift. Because if you didn't, you'd be in hypnosis because exactly. you wouldn't even know that you didn't know. So that is beautiful. I, I have a, a similar thing. I'll, I'll notice that if I'm, if I'm shooting a video or if I'm doing an Insta story or something and I move into you know my announcer voice or my, hey guys, thanks for joining me. You know I mean, I start going, okay, hold on a second. There's no, nobody talks that way in real life. You don't need to do that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, oh yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that honesty. What would uh, one of your friends say is one of your superpowers? Man, I think they, depends. You're going to get two different answers. Most people would tell you they get the gap basically so I can, I can, you know, you, you go to the bathroom and leave me someplace for two minutes. There'll be two people at the table and we'll be friends for the, you know, uh, stay in contact for, for years. I just, I can, I love connection with people. And the coolest thing about loving connection is this is the connection economy and it's made me rich, to be honest. Um, so that's one gift they would say. I think if you asked another portion of the population, they would say, they would, they'd probably just say determination and grit. You know, it's, it's just been something that's been there forever. I guess that I will sell for nothing less than abundant. And, um, it just keeps playing over and over and over. And it was a, a story that was funny when I was younger. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, you're going to buy this. You're going to do this. You're going to travel here. And then now to live it and to have it keep amplifying. It's like, even I'm starting to believe that now. 
<laughs> That's awesome. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, watches. Gosh dang it. I know material items don't matter, but um, I can't stop buying expensive wristwatches, Rob. I just can't. It's like tattoos. They're just, just an addiction. Yeah, for sure. What's your, uh, what's your most recent one? Oh man, you guys are going to kill me. I just bought mm. the moon. Uh, Paddock, uh, there's a there's a grand complications this whole series, and I just bought the the moon, um, and it's oh, it's a sexy watch. You have to look at it with the rose gold, black leather, a little frivolous. Uh, I don't usually go spend quite that much, but um, I'm more of an aquanaut kind of guy. It's a, more of a subtle flex, whereas this one, I'm not sure where I'm going to wear it or if I'm going to wear it, but I own it now, so uh, I'll find a place. Maybe your house. I bet you. I bet. Yeah, absolutely. So last question, if you had to, uh, actually I have two, two questions. If you, the first of the second is if you had to give a Ted talk for nothing that you are known for or nothing that you speak about, and it could be on anything that you like or have a passion for, what would it be? Oh, I, I would love to go into one of my gifts. I think I haven't, um, explored it fully, but one of my guests has been able to take this concept of kind of what we talked about today of hypnosis, these other people living your life. Um, a gift I have is speaking to the fast paced entrepreneur, the young entrepreneur, the person who is enjoying living in this hypnosis. But I have a way of speaking to these individuals who are not even yet seeking self-actualization and authenticity and finding a way of making it a priority for them. And I would love to Mm. share that with the world because I think it's becoming very fashionable to live in this hypnotic state and marching through it and and just doing the thing, posting the, the pictures, buying the stuff. But I have a way of interrupting that pattern, whether they like it or not. And um, it always results in progress for them. Mm-mm. That'll be have to be a part two. I love that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then last question, what one question would you like to ask me? Rob, I would want to know how you, I want to know how you find this, um, this life of travel. You've, you've done it in all various ways. I want to know how you see it being the best balanced for maybe somebody who owns a business actively and has a family, how would they coordinate if they're resonating with this message now of, man, I get it. I want to see the world too. You've done this a lot longer in a lot of different ways than me. I want to ask your advice to those folks. How can they live a life of travel, but still maintain um, some homeostasis and stability for their family? Well, I think... You know, I think with with every every season of your life, it's going to be a little different. Like in your twenties, is different than thirties, which is different than forties, which is different than fifties. So you're going to go through different seasons. But let's just pin it at the thirty to forty year olds who's got a wife and one or two kids, because that's the that's the one that's usually having the challenge. It's not the guy that's single that you know has a business and can figure out how to get out of it and make time to travel. The one is. You know, I did it when I was 20, um, but now I've got, you know, now I got the kid. So for me, using every tool that we discussed to automate, scale, create systems, make sure that there's, um, there's, there's proper, you know, compensation for the employees where they're happy and you're happy, et cetera, which is a much longer conversation. Once that's in place, the bigger block to get over is, well, how do you, how do you maintain the community feel and travel and how do you do it with a wife and a kid? That's really the question that I get asked the most. And the answer is it's not really easy. It just depends on how you personally want to do it for yourself. And I think that in the same way that when you're extricating yourself from a business, there are stages to do this with. What I started with the family, it was very simple. It was, we're going to take two weeks. We were taking like a week vacation. We're going to take two weeks. And then we set up a five-year plan. Actually, it was a 10-year plan where every year we increase that by one week. And every time we had to do it, we we're like, fuck, there's no way we're going to go for six weeks. Like, the, like it's not, how in the world are we going to do it? But we kept stacking it up and we did it. Over a 10-year period, we got to the point where we were gone for 10 weeks. 
And it's what I call the, um, and I got this again from Tim Ferriss, so I, I feel like it's mine, but he gave it to me. It is the art of letting bad things happen. When you leave, bad things are going to happen. Some bill is going to get missed or something um, that you were supposed to do that you can't do because you're remote. It's, it's going to happen. But for the most part, the things that do happen are not things that are so detrimental that when you look back on it, you say, I wish I didn't take the trip. So I know that when we're gone, something challenging is going to happen and I'm willing to deal with that trade-off of whatever happens. And I do the best I can to mitigate you know, looking at my crystal ball of what I think is going to happen while we're gone for an extended period of time. So this, this COVID thing has actually created and unearthed a new level of something that my wife Kim and I hadn't thought of before. We have time and money freedom, but we don't have kid freedom because we have a five-year-old kid. And so when the kid's in school, you know, we can't travel while the kid's in school. And I'll put the word can't in quotes. But this year, we got a letter from LA County, which said school's not opening and you should homeschool. And so she's going into kindergarten this year. And so we have gone down the homeschooling path. And what we have found in looking into the homeschooling path is more people who think the way you and I think. And so, for example, if you want the child to learn um, about, you know, you create your kid's curriculum. So whatever you decide that you want to teach them, if you want to teach them about uh, sea turtles and take them to the sea, you can do that if you want it. There are places that have like, you know, homeschooling days where you can drop them off at nine and pick them up at two and they'll teach them a particular activity that, you know, you've determined that this is what your kid is interested in. And what we realized in doing this is, you know, she said to me, look, if we buy this villa in Tuscany and we just want to go for six months, we could just go. Like we don't have to worry about the kids thing because we can homeschool her anywhere in the world. And it was the first time that I realized that we have absolute true freedom. I don't have a, a job where I have to be anywhere. I could work remotely and my daughter can be anywhere we want to go and getting an education. Now, in terms of the community, for me, I don't want to be gone for one full year at a time. That's, that's not a game I want to play anymore because of what you mentioned with community. So what we're considering right now is balancing six months in Southern California and six months in Europe, namely uh, Italy with a base in uh, Tuscany. So I think that there's an evolution, but I think you need to have a partner who's all in on mitigating downsides and seeing how you can um, make those downsides uh, upsides. I love it. So, you know, that's it's totally something I've seen too with this shutdown, right? Is what wasn't talked about or was taboo or people didn't even want to go there and talk about it. It's being talked about and it's happening. I, and I, I yeah. totally agree. You know, this, this idea of, well, what if 12 people, 12, 12 couples came together and created this, this co-op. I had a friend in, in Colombia. Um, he lived in Bogota. And they, the, a lot, all the, the wealthier people down there, that's what they did. They were all got together and said, Hey, well, we, we don't, we want to go to Miami for half the year. And, um, we only want to have school be five months. And so they created a school <laughs> for, for five months and then they left. And it was a school with whatever teachers they wanted. And, um, they learned how to, this kid can play instruments, speak languages. They just created this super school. Um, so that they could fulfill their their vacation plans. I love it. Yeah, and by you know by admission, schools will tell you that you know in in the average uh, uh, first, second, third, fourth grade, a kid gets about fifteen minutes of learning per hour. That's about it, because the rest of the time, there the teacher is paying attention to somebody else, or you know they're they're off daydreaming. But in terms of instruction, personally. They get about 15 minutes an hour. So you can 100x that when you're doing it yourself. And you know, you and I both know, we sat in the back of a classroom, like picking our nose <laughs> while the teacher droned on about some bullshit for eight hours. And you know, I took five years Spanish. I still can't speak a sentence. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, 
you can craft whatever you want. And I also learned a statistic that Harvard accepts more homeschool people than any other, any of their other applications more come from homeschools than any place else because the, the diversity is so well-rounded. So, you know, if you're looking for an alternative way of doing things and you're willing to do the work, you can do it. And like you said, you know, some of these homes, homeschool people I talked to said, Hey, we don't, we don't want to do school on uh, Monday and Tuesday because of whatever the circumstances they had in their life. So they just, they do it the other five days. So you can, you can manipulate the week. You can manipulate the hours. You can say, I'm going to do it in the afternoons and the mornings are my time to work and I'm going to teach in the afternoons or, or vice versa, or we're going to do it on the weekends, but not on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, we're going to do this curriculum, but not that curriculum. And this week we are going to pack up and we're going to go to Bogota and we're going to do two weeks in Bogota and we're going to learn. Like, can you imagine if your parents did that for you? where you like, they were taking you around the world and you were learning around, like, come on. Like I said to my daughter, we're going to Cabo uh, on Monday. And I said to my daughter this morning, I said, are you excited for, for your vacation? She said, yeah. I said, where are we going? She said, Montenegro. And I went, no, it's Cabo. But the fact that you know Montenegro is amazing. Because <laughs> she's five. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. This, it's, it's an exciting thing for me watching this shut down because it has forced us to think about the, the values and the end result rather than the way it's been done before. And I think it's just so cool to see this, this degree of uh, brainstorming, being more open to change and starting to think, hey, what's the end desired result? And how can we have more people participate in that rather than just the guy who owns the, the company, right? A, a collaborative effort to uh, create a lot more just meaningful life. And I, I bet you, Rob, we're going to see a lot of really great, beautiful work coming out of it. I love it. Well, brother, this conversation was everything I hoped for and dreamed for. It was Christmas for me. So thank you for doing that. And uh, hopefully when this lockdown happens, we will see each other in our next location for the Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind, which will be, fingers crossed, Marrakesh. Yes, I know. I'm looking forward to it. Let's make it happen. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Yes, peace. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.